0: Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Just catching up from uh, last week a bit.
1: How were your travels?
0: Not uh, well. We did, <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, we did do travels, but uh, my daughter was in hospital with a stomach bug, so that uh, that kept us pretty busy for most of the week. But yeah, we um, on the travels. But we went out to Limpopo, um, which is otherwise well. There's a there's a big um, nature park out there called Mabula and uh, it was interesting um, we had a, a huge um, issue when we got there to, to the hotel because the room they put us in although it was a nice nice enough room was on the first floor and I've got a toddler and a crawling baby um, and the balcony was not even knee height for me so he was on the balcony within 30 seconds trying to climb over and jump off um and then also he could climb onto the roof which also wasn't ideal um and then the staircase was indoors so my toddler uh, so my toddler could fall down then all my baby could crawl to it so we just said look it's not it's not suitable and and um they were very good they upgraded us to well they, they sent us to their sister hotel um, I say it's an upgrade because we went from a four-star to a five-star, um, which is a tented camp, um, but there's only 20 camps. So it's very personal, uh, and it was lovely. Um, we had a, It was very different because we've never done tented camps before, but we had a beautiful view straight into the nature park. Um, not that we saw anything from our, from our, our little stoop, um, but just you a know, level of service that, that you can only have with when you have a small set of clientele. Um, and uh, some very good game viewing. so it was like it was it was good.
1: Is it like a um like a yurt or like a platform with um, like canvas on top or what does that look like?
0: Oh, you talk about the tented. So yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a big um so, so the structure is a big tent structure. So think of think of um, like an awning type structure. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you, if you have like a 16 man tent or a 20 man tent, not one of those that you can easily open and close. It's 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 really a fixed tent. Um, and then the room we were in, or the tent we were in, has permanent ablutions. So so the tent itself fits onto a bricked up section, and in the bricked up section is your you know your toilet, your bath, your shower. Um, and then because it's four of us, we had a, an extra room that was also bricked up. Um, on, so there's a wall and then that wall connects to the tent. So you've got the, the sort of canvas flaps um, that are permanently there, but they also act as your windows. So you've got the flaps that come up and down so you can see outside with the mosquito netting and, and that sort of thing. Um, I've got some photos which I can I can share if anyone's interested. Um, and then your sort of, as you walk into the tent, that's all canvas. And then there's the main bedroom, which is a king size. Uh, or super king depending on what country you're in uh big bed uh with you know all the electrics are in there so you've got aircon you've got you know uh, power fridges all that kind of stuff but that's that's very like um i want to say rustic in the sense that you've got um you know plug the plugs are on the floor and they've been cabled in so you can see the cables running to the plugs and it's on a concrete base with with carpets on top um so it's like having a a tent mixed in with an apartment And then, so our room had had that sort of structure. So main bedroom, and then on the one side was the bedroom, and the other side was the bathroom, and that. And there was the kind of a, uh, you could walk around in a circle, um, as you as you go around the tent. Uh, So really nicely done. And then outside, we had um, like a swing chair with on our deck to look at the park, uh, and then a normal table and chair set to sort of also look out to the park, and then sort of around the corner on the side. Was like a sunbed, um, you know, if you want to lie down in the sun and, and just hear nature and, and enjoy the, the sun. Even in winter, it, it's, it can still give you a bit of a, a sunburn. Um, and then, of course, uh, they've they've grown the, because it's all in the bush. The bushes have grown around like the, the tent, so you actually don't realise there's, there's a tent right next door, sort of ten metres away, um, which has got also their own view, but they also you know hidden behind the bushes. So you know, you're, you're all on your own. Which you know is a nice feeling, but then you've got a centralized lodge, um, which has got like the dining, the, the restaurant, and, and and like a big lounge and, and a bar and all that kind of stuff. Um, so really nice setup. Um, they, they're not totally kid friendly in the sense that there's no playground for the kids, but they do do stuff to allow. You know, the, you know, my, my son could you know go in his little scooter and, and go all over all the paths and that. Um, and then they take us out for game drives, which is great because you have your own dedicated ranger. Um, and he takes you out, and he, you know, what are we going to see today? Okay, I've heard there's there's leopard here, so we'll go look for leopard, or he's heard there's elephant, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was really, it's a really uh, great experience, um, and they had fantastic Wi-Fi, so I did quite a lot of stuff while I was sitting there, because <laughs> um, you spend, I mean, basically, what the, the sort of the sort of your day is very much. Um, you know, once you once you're in there for the first night, the first night is usually just a good dinner, and then you go to bed. Uh, you know, usually because you've driven. It's about a three-hour drive from from us to get there. Um, and then if you if we didn't have the kids, you'd get up at sort of five, six in the morning, depending on the weather, and you'd be on the game drive uh, first thing to be back by sort of nine. So you're out there for three hours. Um, then you have breakfast. Then you sort of relax in that till about 12, twelve, twelve thirty. Then you have lunch um and then basically after lunch you've got an hour or two to be on the on the safari by three um and then that's another three hours and then you come back and you have dinner and you basically you know most people have a drink and they go to bed because you're gonna get the the next day you start again because every day is you know a new adventure um with the kids it's slightly different we have breakfast early first once we're up so sort of seven ish eight ish and then they take us on what they call a, a bumble Um, So at about 10 o'clock for for two hours, we go out with the the kids, so it's a bit warmer, you know, a little bit less windy. You don't see as much normally because the animals really move in those two windows sort of six in the morning till nine and and three o'clock until seven that you'll see. Um, But we were quite lucky because we we booked to stay to the Monday because it was was a public holiday in in the UK. Everyone left on the Sunday, so we basically had the whole hotel to ourselves. So normally they don't do an afternoon bumble, but because we're the only guests, they took us out on our own. And we went out for three hours and it was fantastic. We saw so much stuff. I had a rhino uh, and her, and her calf literally a meter from me um, staring at us. Uh, And then a little bit further on, we had a baby rhino fighting with a big rhino and they basically, you know, it it was, I've never seen a rhino that active. Um, If you imagine like a, a dog running around chasing a bigger dog, Mm-hmm. That's, exa- that's exactly what it looked like, except that this- is little-
1: like play fighting? Is that how they learned yeah, to- Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll send yeah. you the video. It's exactly like that. He, he was like causing trouble with this bigger rhino, obviously like a little mm-hmm. rhino causing trouble with, with a big brother, or we think it was a mother and two, two mothers and their kids and, the, and the, what the kids were fighting. Um, the, the, the difference not like, you know, if a dog runs into to you, it'll knock you over. If this runs into you, it'll it'll damage the car. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a serious weight difference uh, and then we saw some leopard kill uh, we didn't see the leopard unfortunately because leopards are very hard to, to see it's like one of those difficult things to try and find because there's normally only one in an area um, and then this this park doesn't have a very big elephant population but we saw their elephants which is also quite rare um, but yeah it was very relaxing uh, barring us all getting a stomach bug when we got back So, um, mm. but I don't think that's their fault I think that's just the um, you know, the, the nature of the beast anywhere you are, there's, the, the bugs fly around sometimes.
1: Well, at least uh sounds like you're able to enjoy some solid days of uh, animal viewing and glamping uh, before then, so it sounds it's,
0: nice. <laughs> yeah, glamping is a good way to put it. And, and you know, what, what, the reason why I bring up the Wi-Fi is, you know, you're sitting there in your in your tent and, you know, my kids you know, obviously they, they need their entertainment and, and it was, it was good enough that I could put them on Netflix and they could watch their Netflix while we sat and watched the bush. Um, and I took, I didn't take my laptop with me, even though I said I was going to, uh, I took my iPad with me and, you know, you know, you could sit there as you're sort of watching the bush, you kind of have ideas you just make some notes and, and all that stuff is, is feeding back into not, I wasn't working, working, but it was feeding back into when I got back from home, I could now pick up the things I was thinking about. um, which is which is a nice experience. It didn't have to be on Wi-Fi because it because it could have waited. Um, but it was just nice to know that it was all synchronizing and and happening because uh, a couple of things are tied to workflows. Um, so when I got back, there the workflows had run and you know the the stuff was had pre-populated, which which is that, that's like the automation nirvana that things are happening mm-hmm. without you having to do something.
1: Yeah, I mean, sounds. Uh- Sounds nice. Sounds great. Um, and very cool that you were able to uh, get all of that done um, seamlessly from, you know, <laughs> such a a wild area. It's
0: it's remote. I mean, it is very remote. There's, you know, we didn't realize this. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more of the story. So we we drove from Joburg to this hotel, Mobula. Um, so that's as I said, two and a half, three hours drive. But we didn't realize when you drive to the gate of the hotel. You still got to drive another 25 minutes through the bush. So you're driving on dirt roads and you know up and down hills and whatever. When we found out that the room wasn't going to be suitable and they moved us to the other hotel, we had to drive back that route. But then we to go to the other hotel, you got to drive three kilometres also off road. But now at this stage it's seven o'clock at night, so it's pitch black, and there's no streetlights in the bush. So you know you're driving around all these sort of curves and up and down and and whatever. Um so by the time we got to the hotel that night, we were absolutely exhausted because we've been in the car now for five you know, four four hours, four and a half hours. Um, including the so say so we were travelling for about four and a half hours, including the, the trying to sort the room out and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um but you literally are in the middle of nowhere. Um I mean it fascinates me that they've got fi- you know, fast internet in the middle of the bush and some hotels that I've been to, you know, you can't even they give you five hundred mega day. Um and that's sort of the the you know, these guys were unlimited, which was which was great.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I'm sure they had to um, go through some stuff to figure out how to deliver that, but you know, it's like a five star hotel. You're going to make those. Uh, actually, it's
0: actually a good question. I should actually find out from me. You know, that's that's a nice thing about going to a hotel where it's a very small guest compliment. Is you really get to know the staff really well. Um. You know, they like, you know, you get their, their phone numbers and that kind of stuff. So you can WhatsApp them and all that stuff. So, so I can actually, I actually want to find out how they, what they did. Um, if if is it because it's a fairly new hotel in the sense that it's been refurbished two years ago. Um, so they probably brought that in as part of their refurbishment as part of a, a group called Extraordinary Group. So, yeah, then uh, the, the other thing I was, um, so obviously we, we came back and my daughter was sick, so we had to go into hospital. And I, and I sent you a text about power cables. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, cryptic,
1: so cryptic text about uh, cables and power.
0: Yeah, you know the funny thing is, is, is you so I mean you'll you'll know this if you ever want to have kids is you are so exhausted with your kids normally when they go into hospital and stuff the stress just makes you even more exhausted. So it was I was sending you a text I didn't forget. But so we so in South Africa there's a there's a power problem. And I think every country in the world has a power problem, but we have a a special one in that we go into load shedding. So you have, um, at at given times in a day, you'll have two or three hours where you'll be offline. So in fact, I think I'm going to be offline in two hours from now uh, for three hours. And this is to take load off the the infrastructure. Um, So my... my, um, my, my child was sick, so we took her to the to the casualty, and the, the hospital is about a ten minute drive from where we are. Um, and unfortunately, it's a pediatric hospital, and it was one of those where you can get on the Wi Fi, but it's only five hundred meg a day and, and all that kind of stuff. But the other problem is, is when you when she got admitted into the into the actual hospital room, there was only one plug that was available, and there's two patients put in this in this room. So first thing was to sort of agree that we were going to share the, share the plug. So I, I put an adapter on and we could share the, the charging. Um, but because my wife was staying over with my daughter, she obviously needed to charge her phone all the time. But also my daughter had her iPad and that to keep her entertained while she's inside the cotton and, and feeling sick. Um, so these things were constantly being charged. Um, and then during through all of this, We have load shedding so the hospital is sometimes online sometimes it's offline and when they're offline they have a generator that kicks in and they run with the generators but because this load shedding sort of kicked in last week there was a some faux pas and there were some issues where there was a something obviously a burnt a blue or something like that they're offline for like two or three days um and then and then sort of parallel our house was offline um you know at similar times sometimes i'd come home and there'd be no power so I go back to the hospital and the hospital have no power. Then I'd be like, where do I go now? Because I need power to charge everything. So there was a comedy of, of that. So I went and bought some some power banks and, and was basically using those to keep everything charged. But then I I got, I got to a stage where the house was offline, but the, the hospital was online. And I needed to charge my laptop, my iPad, all that kind of stuff. And when I sent you the text, what had happened was I was charging my, um, my Mac. And I'd plugged in my iPad to my Mac. So my my laptop was charging, it was charging my Mac, and then my Mac was charging my phone. And it was like this combination of cables. And I was just thinking, this is so funny because I was using my, my Windows laptop as a big battery. I was literally plugging in phones to charge devices because that's about the only use I have for that laptop now. <laughs> um, but the, I was thinking about someone at some point thought that for, with the Mac, you'd want to have one USB-C in and one USB-C out to charge your devices. And it, and it, do, and it worked exactly like that. I thought we was really talk about this, this I want to say dongle world or you know, how, how reliant we are on power for everything. And when you don't have it, you resort to all sorts of combinations to to solve it um, and that was that was the reason behind the text
1: i see so the the load is it sharing or shedding load shedding shedding like to,
0: yeah like shedding your hair like a dog
1: so do you know in advance are you like do you know for like the area that you're in or for your individual home like is there a schedule like how do you work around
0: that. Yeah, so there's schedule, but um, sometimes in the African way, um, the schedule doesn't tie up to what they're doing. So you might like like I'm looking at my phone now to see what time our next thing is. Um, sometimes they sell that they say you'll be off and you're not. And sometimes they say you'll be on and you're off. But most of the time it's pretty it's pretty um, pretty accurate. So so mind so we're not we're not load shedding. Uh, we have load shedding start at five o'clock today. Um, so, so we should actually be fine because from a workday point of view, um, but this, this last week was not just load shedding. I think there was actually a, a problem, like a substation blew up or, or a, a cable was, was cut or something, something like that. Because, you know, normally when they load shed, you generally people know it's coming, but no one expected it. And also it was off for much longer than three hours. It was like five or six hours. Um, which, you know, in the middle of winter, I mean, our winters are not that bad, but they're, they're still cold. Um, and it obviously affects people, uh, in that sense. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting problem.
1: So what, what percentage is it three hours a day or what percentage of the week do you have or not have power? Um,
0: it's not every, so it depends. Um, mm. so we, we typically have, um, on average, say one a day. So for example, Sunday was, uh, we're supposed to have two on two on Saturday, uh, six a.m. to nine a.m. and 10 o'clock until one a.m. Um, I don't think we had either, to be quite honest. Um, but like Friday, we were supposed to have it uh, from four o'clock until seven o'clock and it didn't go off at four, it went off at five until seven. Um, so it's usually about once a day, maybe twice a day at the most. They go in different stages. So stage one is once a day, stage two is two a day, stage three is three a day, stage four is four a day. Um, because our winters are not that bad in Joburg, um, and when I say not so bad, um, we've Saturday morning was minus one, but by 11 o'clock it was already 17 or 18 degrees. Um, the load's not that high. Uh, if the evenings are cold, then everyone turns the heaters on so that there's a higher load. But this, this year has been, I wouldn't say it's been mild, but it's, it's actually been okay. We've, we've had a cold front in Cape Town, which normally leads to the rest of the country being cold. Um, but we're going back to a heat wave. Well, I say heat wave, there's no cold front. It's a normal front. Um, so from from today, actually, we're back to 20 degrees a day. Um, so the load should be not too bad on the on the infrastructure.
1: But it sounds like you're usually able to, if you just had to go out and buy those power banks, it sounds like you're usually able to, at least from the device point of view, it's not. Since things it's, are plugged in all the time, it's not a big deal, or. It's yeah. So
0: so the I mean the interim for the for the hospital was just power banks. But what we'll, what what most people do here, we've got the funds. They go and put a generator in uh, or an inverter, and that'll switch. Up. So a friend of mine, I was talking to him yesterday. He has solar power, solar panels on his roof that charges the inverter batteries. And then when there's a switch over because of, of a power outage or, or um, load shedding, he switches over to his batteries and he can run his batteries for, for 10 hours or 20 hours, or whatever the number is. Um, that's a lot of people do. We're gonna put a generator in this house, which is we diesel, diesel driven. Um, and then when it, when it comes to those sorts of things, our power thing, because things like my fiber would work, but the, um, you know, we're not going to run everything. So we'll run the lights, we'll run the fridge, we'll run the uh, microwaves, the kettles, TVs, um, that sort of stuff. Uh, We won't run the heating um, because that's too much, too much draw on the generator. But that's it, that's what most people do. And then some people that are really, uh, the word is which is tired of of ESCOM, which is the national provider. They put in the whole system that they're completely off the grid, Uh, which you can do here because there's, there's so much sunshine um you can charge your batteries uh full in a day um so you can run completely off the grid uh which which is where a lot of guys are going they're going back to uh off the uh, back to electricity through solar and gas for the cooking uh, because there's Mm -hmm. big gas there's big gas pipes and stuff um it's just interesting it's one of those things and i thought this was interesting from a from a no bad point of view where you know the problems you have in one country are so different to another um and yeah, you know, when, when we when we moved into this house, this area was renowned for not being load shed, and all of a sudden it's starting because they realized Eskom, the who's the national provider, realized that this area wasn't being load shed. Um, mm. So now we're <laughs> we're on the list.
1: Uh, it makes me think of. Did you see the news of the electric truck that Ford is coming out with?
0: No, I didn't. Okay.
1: I think it's the Ford Lightning or. I don't remember. So they, they basically took their most popular truck, which is it the F one mm-hmm. I'm not a car person. Um, I made it electric, but one of the features of it. So it's basically like, there's places to plug things in, like literally everywhere all around the truck. So if you had like, um, a landscaping business or something like that, you could like plug everything you need to, um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. But one of the use cases for it was it can be your generator at home. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just like a, yeah, a very like Swiss Army knife um, of a truck, it seems like. But uh, I thought that was interesting, especially for places in uh, maybe like more like the southern US or places in the, the plains where they have a lot of tornadoes, um, like any any area where it's more prone to natural disasters, um, having your, your high-riding truck with all the electricity you need, plus it's your house generator. And it wasn't even like, it seemed, you know, for what you're getting for all of that, I think it was like basically the same price as the existing truck, um, the non-electric. So it seems... Between that and the Cybertruck, uh, I don't know, Ford Ford has a good value crop there. <laughs> the Cybertruck obviously looks futuristic, but yeah.
0: yeah. Well, my uncle's my uh, in the middle of the Kalahari at the moment, uh, which is in Botswana. And uh, he's got a, a Ford Ranger that he's converted. Um, it's basically a, a big tent construction they put on the back of the, the truck. Uh, and inside there is you know, your fridges, um, it's got a generator, it's got, um, you know, space for your clothes and, and your utensils and your food and whatever. And they basically drive in the middle of the bush and then they go camp. Uh, and inside the, the, the contraption, the, it, it sort of raises up and you've got a two person tent on the roof. Uh, you know, that obviously keeps you away from the lions and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and they would avoid the, the lightning truck purely because it's got probably too many too many pieces that can go wrong. Um, and rather stick to the old-fashioned petrol or whatever i mean his range is new it's probably it's probably a 20, 2020 or 2019 edition so it's not, it's not like it's out of date but but they try and avoid as much of that sort of new stuff as possible but in saying that you know he, he was saying now it's freezing cold um they could do with uh and it's got solar panels and that to charge they could have done with something that that could have you know put a heater in the in the tent or something just to keep them warm because it does get down to you know zero one one degree in the middle of the bush Uh, plus you have the wind that comes through there because there's nothing to stop it Um, it makes you cold
1: i don't realize people would tent and um kind of be out in the wild like that um there do people like tent camp and stuff it just seems like i mean i i go i do a lot of backpacking in areas with bears but that's kind of like you know the biggest predator and i'm not too afraid of uh black bears um grizzlies scare me a bit more but you know lions and leopards and rhinos and elephants
0: yeah they call it um i suppose the uk would call it rough camping um here they call it camping um but basically they'll go out uh they normally go in, in teams of two or three uh and it's got to be it's got to be a four by four uh, you don't go with anything less than that in a real serious vehicle and then they'll plan, like, they're going on a six-week tour um, where they're driving up to the Kalahari. Um, they get their, their, their provisions when they get there. Then they load up the truck, and they go out, and they just drive a, a route. Um, and they've got all the sort of GPSs and, you know, two-way radios and all that kind of stuff with them because uh, cell phone reception, obviously, out there is, is non-existent. Um, we get, like, a WhatsApp from them when they get to cell phone range. Um so we know, so we know they're okay and what they're doing and, and the stories they can tell you. Um, and then yeah, they, they, each each vehicle. There's there's two ways you can do it. One is you have the the construction that goes on the back of your of your your truck, so it fits into the the, the bed at the back. Um, the other option is you can actually pull the caravan caravan with you, but it's not not like a caravan like you see. Um, like you take, you drive to a caravan park and it's, you know, it's already thing. It's almost like a condensed caravan that's, Mm -hmm. that, that you expand out. And as you expand it out, all the things come out with it. But the problem with that, as my uncle says, you get stuck with that thing. Um, so, you know, if you're trying to go through a ravine and you've got like a very sharp incline and decline, you can't get the the caravan through that. Whereas if you're in the, in the bucket, you can sort of do that yourself. Um, so they go out and, and they just follow the route you know if they if they see some tracks like for a lion they follow the tracks till they find the lions um they obviously don't get out the vehicles but with mm-hmm. photography and that kind of stuff guys will do it they won't get out but they'll take they'll follow that and then you know it, it, they'll, they'll always sort of have a camp somewhere that they will, will be in the open but they'll have a fire and they'll cook in it but by the time it gets dark they're in back inside their their construction Um, and then they basically sit out there while the lions walk past or the leopards walk past or whatever. They had um, elephants in that the other day walk past them, Uh, and then they're hoping that the elephant doesn't decide that they're in the way Um, and and damage the vehicle or damage them. Uh, So it's it's serious uh, exposure to the elements. Um, Sounds like fun. Uh, It's something that we'll do with him when my kids are a bit older. Um, So it's real, real adventure stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, if you don't, you know, rough it a bit, um, you won't, you're not going to see. There's a lot to see if you uh, are a bit more remote and, yeah.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, the the, the parks that we go to are, are, I don't want to say they're geared for tourists, but they're geared that you can see stuff fairly easily. You know, you're driving down some roads, you'll see some stuff. I mean, you won't necessarily see a kill or you'll be lucky if you do but you'll see some elephant, you'll see some rhino, you know, it's pretty, I don't want to say it's almost mundane, but it's pretty easy to see that stuff. But if you want to go and see a wild dog, you know, chasing chasing down its prey, which is a very rare thing, so you have to be out in the in the bundus. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting, he, So he's bought uh, himself um, a drone for this trip, and he's taken that with, so I'm very excited to see what kind of um, stuff he gets, because then he can launch from the top of the the canopy. Um, so if they have got some lion below them, he can get it up, then take photos and, and all that kind of stuff. And then he's got a fancy camera that goes with that that streams back the video. Um, so he's all geared up for it this time um, with the gadgets. Uh, it, I could, you know, it's one of those things you can spend a lot of money on gadgets uh, mm-hmm. for that for that perfect shot. Yeah. But Sounds so, cool. Yeah, so he's as I say, he's in Botswana, so he's in, he's doing his nomad thing.
1: Um, is he working from there? Is he doing other, he's,
0: I mean, he's, he's gone, he's taking, he takes his stuff with him, uh, his laptop and his, and his iPad and then he, and the, the kind of business that he's in, um, he only really needs to check in, you know, sort of once a week to, twice a week. So, you know, he's on holiday, but, but I know him, he's a workaholic. So what he's probably doing is when he gets back to do the resupply, he goes and checks all his emails he phones all his customers to see how they're doing you know that kind of stuff yeah i mean he phoned me for my birthday uh yes on saturday so i knew he was in range so he probably phoned everyone he needed to phone um and then he'll go back out uh and also he's probably making notes and stuff as he drives or his wife's driving about stuff he's thinking about so so he's probably working but in the nice in a nice as i said you know you can be working but you can have a beautiful view in front of you um which makes it that much more enjoyable the work. Uh even for the slogging stuff.
1: Well, um you wanna tie it up there for today? Or did you have anything else you wanted um,
0: to discuss? I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't look at your links yet. I'm still catching up on that stuff. Um so we can probably tie it up there unless there's anything else you want to go through.
1: Um No, I think you know we have uh quite a few episode, episodes in the uh, backlog now. So I think we can just keep our other appointments and then um, I'll, I'll look at, uh, you'd sent a few links as well this weekend I haven't had a chance to look at.
0: Yeah, did you did you have a chance to listen to that Freakonomics episode?
1: I did, yep.
0: So do you want to maybe so, talk about that very quickly? Sure. So, so what I liked about that episode initially was they started off with the phrase that working from home doesn't doesn't work ever it's not productive Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um which i was really ready to challenge (laughs) um but as they went through it and they sort of explained all the things um they sort of turned that around and and i think that the, the crux of the turning around is how the technologies advanced from when they did their study in the 1990s to where we are now, and I mean, even the technology we have now, Zoom and Teams and all that stuff, is not much of a of an improvement on what we had ten years ago, in the sense of Jabber and Skype and uh, and those things. I mean, you could still do video calls on that on Skype ten years ago, um, but I think what has changed is the ability to roll out that technology to a company or even to in a personal capacity. I mean, you could tell someone today, I'll t- I'll talk to you on Zoom. They download the Zoom client and they're ready to go in two or three minutes whereas with skype you know sometimes you had issues with it sometimes it didn't work sometimes you forget your account you have to create a new one and all those sorts of finicky things um plus skype was really crap um (laughs) you know it's 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 we've come a long way and i think then the other thing which which is important is a lot of the tools that we were using in the 90s were very manual and very thick client Tools, so they were they were installed on a laptop uh, or set, installed on a desktop, and they only worked because the server was in the room, and you know it was in a in a room in the office, as opposed to inside a big data center. And and most of the tools we use now are services; they're hosted in, in data centers across the world. They, you know, you don't even know how they work to, to a large extent. You just connect to them and use them. Um, so those are the two thoughts that I already had. Um, I don't know what you what you thought.
1: Yeah, well, just off of that, I mean, you can use the app version, you can use the web app version, you can access it from your browser. So it is just super convenient um, to use those apps pretty much for anything. But yeah, I thought, you know, so they they kind of they interviewed a few researchers for Mm -hmm. the episode And I think like you, so the first guy they talked to kind of took the, you know, they have to make some assumptions for their research is one of the things Mm. he was saying. And that one of the assumptions that they made for the study that he did was that working from home is 50% less productive than the office. Yeah. And he seemed to imply that they had some data from previous stuff to kind of say that maybe that would be true but I yeah I kind of thought well that's an interesting assumption to start off with that it would be half as productive and like where how exactly does that work out but um he did say that over the the course of the you know the months of the pandemic that they noticed, I can't remember if it was like 40% increase or 60% increase, they noted that people became more productive over time, likely as they sort of figured out how to adopt different tools and like adjust their workflows. But I think so much of the productivity conversation for me, uh, you know, there's a lot of blanket statements, I think being made is working from home more or less productive. But And so much of it depends on, you know, what's your role? What's your office environment like? You know, are you, do you have your own private office that's pretty soundproofed? Are you working in an open office environment? You know, what amenities exist in your office? Like, how comfortable is it? And then um, I think another interesting characteristic to look at is just years in workforce, because I think, you know, when I think about like what things do sort of really benefit from being in person, I think if you're brand new, which could mean, you know, you're young or you're like switching career paths, but if you're new to an industry, um, that might be one of the toughest things to sort of get accustomed to fully remotely that there are maybe some benefits to just like learning the norms of the workplace that if you're not, you know, it's obviously a lot more seamless to transition to remote work if you if you work for the company to begin with for a little bit and then you moved remote.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very important um, aspect. I mean, I, you know, we've been quite lucky with Hilo that everyone knew everyone when we when we split up. Um, but as we've onboarded new and new staff, one of the biggest problems has been um, getting the culture right. So, and there's ways, and there's ways to to solve that. It's it's not an unsolvable problem. Yeah. It's just you need to you need to do it. Um, but I have worked in organisations where you know you only meet people by video, and you see them once a year, maybe twice a year in person. Um, and and you can definitely feel that if you don't do that face to face meeting, that they always. I don't I don't want to call them the enemy. That's not the right phrase. But you always feel a little bit disconnected with them and you need to have that face-to-face at some point so i do think uh uh, the productivity thing is is great for for doing work but i think if you really want to get the productivity you need to have some face time some some in the in the same room time um which they didn't really cover as as an equation um and i think that 50 percent ratio of productivity you know is just a, a typical economic view on things they had to put something down so they put a number yeah Uh, and almost had to prove or disprove it
1: right now it's interesting too to think about sort of I, I haven't seen a lot that kind of is thinking about the longer term effects of you know we can say that yeah working from home is equally if not more productive because you know the commute's gone people are putting more hours in they can you know they have their devices at home and they have all the technology to access it at any time so they can work you know longer and later and uh from anywhere is easier than ever before so in terms of output uh i think a lot of people you know when all the a lot of surveys are showing that people say they're more productive and i think that's a lot of it where it comes from but also you know For some, it's like minimizing distractions and whatnot. But um, over long term, things like, you know, knowledge sharing, like how Mm -hmm. does that differ? And I think that's kind of what some of the aspects they were pointing out. However, I would push back a little bit because I do think one of the things I like about Microsoft Teams or Slack or you know, those other workplace collaboration tools, is that I feel like it really, it can, depending on how your organization uses it, really democratize knowledge sharing. So Mm. uh, by using channels well, and by asking questions publicly, you know, there's so much that I picked up on that is just, you know, I, I wouldn't have ever learned if it wasn't shared in sort of that public way. And maybe it wasn't even a question I had today. But seeing it and seeing the responses to it helped me be more informed. Yeah. Um, and that over time, I feel like is so valuable versus if I was in an office and I just had a one-on-one conversation with someone, no one else heard that conversation. It stays just with the two of us.
0: Yeah, uh, so we have a, a do's and don'ts channel um, that I started a couple of weeks ago, um, trying to go back to the culture thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know what, what I found in, in, if I was in a meeting with someone, Group, I might make a note of a do and a don't, but then I'm, I still have to do the extra step of, you know, disseminating that either in that meeting or uh, putting on the channel afterwards. But, but like this morning, for example, I was sitting in a scrum and I was just making, you know, I was listening to the stuff, but I was also making notes of, you know, I've got new people starting and some of their questions were coming up, like, you know, uh, well, or some of the challenges were like, you need to, you need to wear a headset uh, or have a proper, um, speaker phone, Don't use your laptop microphone speaker. So that's a that's a do and a don't. You know, do use the headphones. Don't use your head your your laptop's microphone heads, uh, and speakers. Um, you know, do uh do take notes. Do ask questions. You know, any questions, okay. All those sorts of things. Which, you know, when you've been around a bunch of people for a long time, it becomes a, a common thing. But if you don't, for new people, if you don't tell them it's okay to ask any question, they'll say nothing. Um. And that's now just in a, in a channel in Teams, which everyone's invited to. So as you type, you just, everyone's getting notified of those things. And you can see the reactions while even, okay, we are distracting people from the meeting per se, but you know, you are seeing people read that very quickly. Oh yes, I agree with that, you know, thumbs up or heart or whatever it is. Um, but it also helps, as you say, that dissemination of knowledge, you know, we have a lot of standing standard operating procedures now for doing things that's in, in Teams channels and wikis and all that kind of stuff. So people know where to go and look for it. Whereas if you're sitting in a meeting, um, that always becomes an extra step to go. Sorry, Teams has broken my camera. It's back now. Um, That becomes, you know, a bit more admin for someone to go and do, which usually means that someone doesn't do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And we've actually been, we're moving one thing away from from Teams. We were using Teams to collect ideas and and talk about the product. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that's gone to Notion. so now so so what's nice about that you know notion's a really flexible tool is we were able to create all the fields we wanted you know we started with very basic stuff but now it's starting to become part of the workflow because all our tasks are, are, are inside of notion as well and we've got checklists and all that kind of stuff so so that's becoming a very nice brain for the organization that if someone's not available they know that you know the other people know to go look on notion and see what's been been tracked as a task, and see how that relates to a checklist or, or whatever it is. Um, whereas Teams is a little bit too—I uh, don't want to say inflexible, but but Teams is good for the conversation; it's not good for the yeah. tracking. If that makes any sense.
1: It does, yeah. I think the there's some sort of ability to organize information that is hard to hard to do on Teams. Um, or even like a feature that we requested uh, a long time ago is to, I think a lot of what we use Teams for is just people getting answers to questions. So if they don't know Mm. who to ping for something or like, you know, maybe this is a general interest question, general education question, I'm gonna put it in a channel and see who responds. Um, But sometimes you get a thread of, you know, different people responding. um, And it'd be nice to be able to highlight you know, in that thread, or maybe someone responds, and then a conversation happens, be nice, the ability to highlight what was the answer to the question and sort of Mm. like pin that on the um, conversation so that anyone kind of scrolling by can see that without having to like, read the 25 responses below the question.
0: Yeah, and we had the same sort of problem with, with, um, we call them requests now, but you know, a guy will ask a question in the product, and then there'll be a conversation around all that, and, and there's like a long thread that keeps going. And, and that's where I think you know, to, you know, sort of Slack does it slightly better. But, but now that that conversation is now inside of Notion as a page for that component, that problem, whatever it is, and that's a bit better. It's a bit cleaner knowledge repository um, because we can tag it, we can use columns to filter all that kind of stuff. But that's also tying back to our roadmap because um, that's also in Notion. So even though we have tools that are specific like DevOps, for example, for actually managing the development, the high level roadmap items sit inside of Notion. Um, so when a, when a uh, sort of frontline person asks a question about a component, they can go and look at the roadmap and go, oh, okay, this thing will be dealt with in six sprints from now. Um, whereas before we were, they were asking us all the time and you're sort of saying, yes, it's coming, it's in this, you know, so it's, it's all about visibility and, and simple, simple ways to, to share information. Um, so it seems still critical to us, but but it's it's helping to have another layer, which is the notion layer, um, to to help disseminate information. Yeah. So.
1: Cool.
0: Cool bananas. Do you want to do you want to leave it there then?
1: Yeah, Maya. Uh, I'm getting a bunch of pings, so <laughs> I have another <laughs> meeting in ten. So I'm like, maybe I should figure out what's happening.
0: No, no worries. That's cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Super. Alrighty. Thanks, Heather. Talk to you Keep later. You, well. okay. See you, you
1: Bye. too.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.